Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 432 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Unfortunately, not live because as we were getting set to go, Wi-Fi crapped out. But what is an episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia without some tech issues? The real ones know. Uh, it's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into today about those fight and fills. We're going to talk about the Survivor finale predictions uh, and a whole lot more. But before we get started... Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. You Leave more reviews, more people find the show. We'll get more listeners in, and uh, we keep growing this thing and, and making it bigger and better than ever. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Click the like button, the bell icon, all that good stuff so you don't miss a single episode of all your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Get ready for summer. Get the sunglasses. Protect your eyes when you're indoors with the Blue Light Plus glasses. And everything in between at TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP at checkout gets you 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. That's promo code USP at TomahawkShades.com for 25% off your entire order. Kenwood Beer. It's the beer of the summer in Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And the game of the summer, that is Bino. You guys can go to BinoBoard.com, B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com, and use our code BinoUSP to get 10% off your order, including 10% off that brand-new limited-edition ultraviolet board, the Team USA and Team Mexico merch get you ready for the World Cup. All that good stuff. Beanyoboard.com, promo code BeanyoUSP for 10% off your order. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know? Uh, I feel like we'd be remiss to not lead the show off with, you know, us sending our, our best thoughts and, and positive vibes to everybody down in Texas. Just another ridiculous and, you know, everybody saying it's it's – uh, an unthinkable, but unfortunately, it's it's something that's become a lot more thinkable over the you know last decade. Um, just a, a senseless hack, act of you know domestic terrorism that doesn't need to occur because there are ways to prevent it. It's, it's not one of those things that's super preventable. There are ways to do it, and for whatever reason, our country is just uh, 
chosen not to do so. It, it makes me sick to my stomach seeing, you know, kids get, get robbed of uh, a life that was ahead of them, especially, you know, with my sister, your wife working in a right. school, my mom being a teacher for as long as she has, me still working, you know, in different school districts with different projects we do here. It, it just really shakes you to your core and, you know, it's something that should never occur. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I don't know. You kind of lose words at a point because how many times have we had to even have this conversation, right? Where it's like, you have these terrible tragedies. I mean, just a week ago, right? You had yep. the, the shooting in <clears throat> Buffalo and, um, it's terrible. I, you know, and we know what the fix is. We know what has to be done to fix it, but there are people that stand in the way of that. But, um, all we can hope is that we have a better future with, without these just senseless tragedies. Like it's just no, no, like you can't look at the victims and their families and, and all these people and tell them that, well, like my rights are more important. Like the, there's nothing that's more important than human life. There, there just isn't. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't entertain the conversation anymore that there, there's, there's nothing we can do that we said that, yeah. or that the answer is, armed guards at schools or whatever because in this situation too there was police that were unable to stop the shooter there's an armed guard at the buffalo supermarket mm -hmm. that you know tried but ultimately failed i can remember the marjorie stone douglas uh, school shooting and again it's insane that we have so many reference points for these right like um you know the the school uh resource officer hid outside um so that's not the answer clearly you know and like the answer isn't arming teachers that's no. insane that's stupid and why are you adding more responsibility right. onto the teachers like the teachers are the ones sacrificing their lives and their bodies which is what the, we're told the police officers should be doing um and they don't so i i just the whole thing disgusts me and um it's i i just i, I think people need to be held accountable for it i think politicians need to be held accountable for it these people should not be able to go in public without being hounded about this stuff like it's what now like 19 dead children dead yep. and then uh two, two teachers, two teachers. And, and, and the shooter himself like when is human life valuable like when, when do we actually care about human life being lost and uh, you know like when do we just stop this charade where we just vote no like honestly like you need to whenever you see politicians in public you need to be asking what they're doing to stop mm -hmm. this and we need to not just honestly asking isn't even at the point anymore like these people need to be harassed they need to be talked to constantly until we get change that's better for our country because can't keep living in a place where it's just every few months you get you know, and, and every day, really, in America, there's shootings like this, right? But, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's just not uncommon. It just isn't. And there's that, the Onion uh, article, right, where mm -hmm. it's like nothing, country where this happens all the time, so there's just nothing to be done. to. They posted today, like, all images from all shootings. And it's insane because you look at them and you think, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. Yep. I remember, you know, like, it's just, it's insane that that's a reference point for us. For, like, any other country in the world, a day like yesterday would be like remembered forever mm -hmm. and it will like it'll just be a, another in a long list of mass shootings and death that we've had to defend with right like that we just had had to live with like i remember waking up to that las vegas shooting a few years ago yeah like 60 people died like hundreds of people were shot it was just like yeah that that is like genuinely the like the the keystone of like legislation change in other countries and like a day that they i bet you right now you could ask 30 people on the street 20 of them probably won't even remember 
the 10 that I remember could not tell you what day it was. I couldn't tell you what day it no. was. And that's what's so disgusting about it is that loss of human life is just so casual to us now. And it shouldn't be. Um, and we have to call upon the people that supposedly speak for us in power uh, to change that because it's it's unacceptable. We can't keep living this life this way. Um, and it's just it's unreasonable to expect us to do so. Yeah, there was a tweet today that like it, it just resonated the entire situation of what has been going on in this country it was from uh i want to get his actual name correct jason concepcion uh formerly of the ringer now he's with uh crooked media he tweeted truly wild state of affairs when the guy who can launch the nukes is asking me when things will change yeah that's the exhausting stuff is like people that are in power you're in power <laughs> you, yeah. you we voted for you it's the same with with abortion it's the same with all these things like we voted you told us to vote for you and you would enact this change, no, do it. <laughs> like, that's it. I understand there are some barriers to enacting some of these changes. I'm not expecting that like, overnight, but mm -hmm. I would like an effort and I would like, I, it's just, it's it's beyond, it's beyond the pale now where this, this isn't like, this isn't a country that you want to be having kids anymore. Um, this isn't a, like, if you had to pick the countries in the world, I don't know that this would be the country I would choose. Like, I was born here. And there are things about America that I love, but there's so much wrong with the direction that we're heading. Um, it's just, it's grave. It's like, a, it's just a grave situation. Like we shouldn't, this shouldn't be acceptable to us. This shouldn't just be yeah. something we live with. And I, I can't, I, what bothers me too is you see tweets about this and under every tweet is these guys, well, you actually need more guns and well, it's actually not really fair. Like not shut up. Like, dude, yeah. like... If you're, if you're willing to type that out, like, call one of the families and tell them that. Don't actually. Right. But, you know, like, you you can't actually say that to a person that's been uh, victimized by these types of crimes. Because it's not just the people that pass that are, are the victims here. It's the families. It's the people that were just there that day. The first responders, even. Like, mm -hmm. these are things that live with you forever. They're going to scar you forever that you're just going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. And we, it doesn't have to be that way you did they don't have to deal with that stuff like it doesn't have to be like this and there's these people just constantly holding back progress in the name of comfort you know like they, they don't want to be faced with the uncomfortable truth of these things and it's it's not just um you know like gun laws it's it's climate change it's abortion rights it's voting rights it's systemic racism like it's it's all these things in our country that we're facing like grave threats from that are like unraveling our our republic here and people don't want to deal with it because it's it's uncomfortable to do so. And they'd rather just like self-soothe with this like repeated garble about, well, it's ultimately it's my right as an individual. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's your right as an individual to shut up and just like listen and like understand that this this doesn't happen other places. No. It just doesn't. And it doesn't have to here anymore. It doesn't. It's it's insane. We, you know, listing off all the, the teachers important to us too. Right. like our guy Dom as well. Like, right. He's a teacher. He was on Twitter today and like you see his tweets and like, obviously we podcast with him. We talk to him, you know, off screen and everything too. Cause we've been friends with him forever. But like you feel for that, like somebody that is 28 years old should not have to voice those types of thoughts because of their career path, especially when your career path is a teacher. Right. It's insane, you know, like, and what I don't get to is the same people that want to arm the teachers are also saying that they're incompetent and that they shouldn't be teaching our kids and that we should be limiting what teachers can teach our kids, but we should give them guns too. It's just, right. it's insane. The double speak about this stuff is, is crazy to me. Um, 
and it's just people like grasping at straws to keep the comfort that they have. That's, that's what it is. So, um, uh, just a tragic day. Like it, it just is. Um, and the unfortunate thing is it won't be the last. It just won't be. We know that it's uncomfortable to say, but it's just the truth. We know that this won't be the last time that we're probably having this same exact conversation. And that's, what's exhausting about it too, is that, um, literally a week ago, <laughs> you had a terrible, terrible mass shooting event and here we are again. And it's just, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You're left, you're left speechless. Yeah. And I mean, the Philadelphia union tweeting out the, the video of Bedoya from almost three years ago and, you know, quote tweeting and saying, unfortunately, like this still rings true. Right. And you, you had like everything Steve Kerr said last night too, before the Warriors game spot on, but you shouldn't have to have an NBA head coach before a playoff game, you know, going and talking to the media about a mass shooting. Like right. Steve Kerr shouldn't be the one being like a voice of the people like and that. And Steve Kerr is one of those people that his father was yeah. killed and has had to live his entire like he has been affected by gun violence in his life. Like it's just it's insane to me. I you know and the thing is is again there's going to be people that respond to those tweets and say all this nonsense and it's just that's the exhausting part is that these there's there's people out there that just want to be anchors to you know to like progress and I don't get it. I don't get why you can look at a situation like this like how hard is it to, if you have that mindset to just shut up mm-hmm. or like just think think for a second about the fact that these were children that were murdered at school. Like that's just an insane thought and we just put up with it for whatever reason. And it's just it's crazy to me. It doesn't have to be like this. We don't we don't just have to live with it. You know, like <laughs> we have the power to change it. We like 100% do. I don't I don't know why that's I don't know why it's controversial. I don't know why people so averse to changing and adapting to the future. Um, I don't know why our government refuses to act on this, but people protest out of the Supreme Court uh, justices' houses, and immediately there's resolutions to that. Uh, but this is something that's just going to... Well, all right. The primaries. we got to worry about the primaries. Like, it's just... They're going to tell us to vote no matter what, and, and that's it. That's all. That's that's the change we're going to get, I guess. It's crazy. Um didn't feel like it was right to start the show without talking about that. Um, and if you feel differently than what Matt and I just spoke, you probably shouldn't be following us. Probably shouldn't be listening to our show. Or you just need to, like, honestly educate yourself. Yeah. Just have a think about the state of our country, where we're headed, and that our, like, total casual ability to just, like, shrug off the deaths of children at school. Think about how that's so easy for you to just, like, not care about and spin it into some other direction that makes you more comfortable because that's that's what you're doing when you don't actually engage with the conversation you flip it on to some other nonsense about rights and whatever about vaccines and nonsense like if you can't actually just sit there and think about this and reckon with the fact that it is terrible and it doesn't have to be this way you need to like expand your mind a little bit or grow up 100 percent. so we hope the next like 45 ish minutes can be a bit of a mental vacation for you guys uh, we're going to talk about the Phillies who caused us absolute, you know, just aggravation last night. And it was all in all on the manager. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. 
Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, with last night's game when the Phillies lost to the Braves. Bryce Harper pulls some heroics uh, in the top of the ninth inning, and then it all goes to waste because Joe Girardi is too stubborn, doesn't want to use guys in his bullpen multiple days in a row. Don't know if we ever got an answer on why Sir Anthony Dominguez was not available. But he threw like uh, seven pitches a week and a half ago. Yeah. Regardless, the Phillies lose simply because of manager incompetence. Not for the first time this year either. Not for the first time in his tenure either. His uh, his bullpen management's been a little weird this year. He has this like locked in focus on the next like two games rather mm-hmm. than winning this game. And like I don't understand. Like, okay, so I I get that there's. I don't mind sometimes managers taking a long view of a season. Like everyone was clowning the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw right right early in the season because they pull him for the perfect game. But they're looking long-term at his health. They want him the whole season. Like, he was already at a higher pitch count than they wanted him to be, so they pulled him. I think we're all making fun of that. And at the end of the day, though, that's like a reasonable, responsible decision. Especially for a guy of Clayton Kershaw's, you know, medical history. Right. His age and his injury history, fair enough. You know, like, it sucks. You'd like to see him go for it. But you know what? Like, if it's the difference between him and, you know, being there in October or not, mm-hmm. that's what that's what the Dodgers are playing for. Right. Um. So, yeah, like, situations like that where it's, like, actual, like, you know what, long-term, that's probably the smart call. I don't know what you stand to, like, the Braves are your main competition and mm-hmm. are going to be. Like, you are fighting it out for the, the wild card spot with the Braves. Like, that is that is one of the teams you are definitely going to have to be better than. Because um, we're not catching the Mets in the division, now, even if they have a, a collapse. Like, the division's gone already. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy to say, but it's just the truth. You know, we're, like, nine games back. Um no shot that we're, we're really making up that ground, frankly. But especially because we don't play the Mets again, really. Yeah. <laughs> we have like we have one a series. weekend series with them, in like one game in August. Right. So, like, no shot. So, the Braves are your competition. These guys can pitch. Like, I, I understand that we're in an era now where like athletes were so aware of like rest and rotation and why it's important. You cannot convince me that these guys can't throw in a very important game. 15 pitches right and if it's not working you do the three batter minimum thing right, and yank like, them out the the fact that you went on the wraparound inning with nick nelson and had james norwood in that game last night in a one run game and i tweeted this i said james norwood is the 2022 version of david hale because <laughs> that dude anytime there's a clutch situation that needs to come up when you need one of your better relievers to come in Girardi just puts him in like he put David Hale in during 2020. And the result is the exact same. He's not like James Norwood is your guy who I believe Johnny Heller tweeted this. Uh, He's a guy you bring in when you're down five runs. Right. He's your mop up guy. Like you're not going to win the game or, you know, you need your offense. You're just filling numbers in. Right. You don't bring him in in a situation where the game is still in hand. 
and you bring him in and then all hell breaks loose and then Bryce Harper pulls the heroics and then it's absolutely yanked away from you because you allow Nick Nelson to pitch on a wraparound when he clearly didn't have it. Like, he was battling through the the inning that he pitched, as was every pitcher last night. Kyle Gibson, for him to give you five last night was a miracle. Right. Because he clearly, you know, was, was having issues finding his spots, but he fought through and gave you five innings. Any other pitcher, that's like you're getting yanked after like three innings. He fought through, saved your bullpen a little bit, but then you decide to go with two of your lower-end relievers, and you lose a very important game in a four-game series that now you have to go and win tonight as we record this on Wednesday, and you have to win Thursday to kind of stay afloat in that second-place spot in the division. Right, and I think the thing, too, is the Braves have not been amazing no. to start the season. Like, a lot of these hitters have not found their, like, form yet. You know, They're not quite slumping, but they're not... You expect that the Braves in, like, August will probably be better than they are right now. Like, this is a team that's probably going to grow in the season. And you can't forget, too, they've made some adjustments to the lineup this offseason, too. So, like, this is a good opportunity for you to get wins. And you had a great start <laughs> on Monday. Like, a really a, a great win. Like, the Padres series wasn't amazing, but you played well against the Dodgers again. Like, it showed that that wasn't necessarily a fluke in L.A. You know, like, you, again, hung well with them, like, I, it's just frustrating to, to, to return to this level too, where it's like, honestly, the things we normally complain about have been pretty good. Yeah. Like the hitting has been back. The bullpen has actually been okay. Starting pitching has been good, but like it's these decisions that are like failing the making team right those now. things look bad. Right. Like you're the, I think Jordy's putting this team in some ways in like unwinnable situations mm-hmm. or situations that are are not favorable, and I think that's what's frustrating right now. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't know what his, his – he's out of a contract this year. I can't imagine he's back. Um, I think it's more just a question if he makes it. I would be surprised if he's gone during the season. I just – I don't think that that's – I can't imagine the Phillies, like, parting ways with him in, like, July. Yeah, I, especially because we know that the Phillies are going to be in a playoff race, like, all season. They're At least they're going to convince themselves that they are. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no way that you're firing a manager when you think that you could be in the playoffs. Like, and just plus you look at it like it's not like when you fired Charlie Manuel and you were waiting to just elevate Ryan Sandberg. Like, I don't know if the Phillies have an immediate like candidate in house where you'd right. be like comfortable to say, okay, like we'll go with this guy for you know the dog days of summer, and then hopefully we'll we'll get into the wild card and we'll see what happens. Like Dusty Wathen, maybe, but. Just ask Bryce to do it. He yeah. does everything else. He can't throw. Also, he's probably going to need Tommy John surgery, so never going to throw again. Uh, so. <laughs> Why not have him just – he's got some spare time, I bet. It's just can so – <laughs> Can he write? Can he pick up a phone? <laughs> Somebody needs to flip a cooler in the, or, you know, smash a TV again. It's just frustrating. It's so frustrating with Girardi because he's not like – Because it's so obvious, too. Like, it's – yeah, these aren't – Ah, uh, you know, shit just happens. Yeah, you know, like right. it's like, come on, man. Like you, you gotta know this. Like there, were, there would be moments where, you know, back during the run, or even during like Gabe Kapler, like situations where things would happen, and nece- you you wouldn't necessarily initially pin it on the manager, but then when you go back and watch, it's like, okay, maybe they shouldn't have made that decision. You know, immediately when something's going awry, it's Joe Girardi's fault. Right. Like. 
like you said, the the guys are hitting right now. They're they're pitching really well rotation wise, and the bullpen, you know, with the main guys, I'd say you know the the top five guys in the bullpen that you rely on in in key situations have pitched relatively well. The bullpen has been largely okay. Like statistically, they're, really... they're not, and that's because there's <laughs> right. the back half plus Jerry's Familia's bum ass holding them back. But Kniebel, I think, has been pretty solid. Right, Alvarado's been good. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been way better than I think we both expected him to be at this point. Like, those are the guys that you're truly relying on. And unfortunately, money-wise, you're relying on Jerry's Familia, but he's just an absolute disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> the Phillies just can't the, with with bullpen. I think we talked about this last time. Like they've tried everything with the bullpen, and it just hasn't worked. And I, I don't know if the, if it's just a curse or what, but um, there's been so many guys that we've like tried every single method you can on bullpen. We've gone for like the cheap guys, the flyers, the like we've gotten guys off career years. We've gotten guys off of like slumps. Like uh, we've gotten guys that have pristine injury records and then get hurt immediately. We've gotten guys that had injury problems or were just making the bet and it doesn't like every, everything. And and part of it too is because we don't draft well. But um, yeah, Girardi Girardi faces the blame for this one and it's it's frustrating because you had like I w- I would say a really good week and a half of baseball where you played some really hard teams. And you did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like you, you did very well against the Dodgers overall. Padres series was not great, but like it's a tough team. Yeah. You know, like fair enough. You start off well against the Braves, and then it's just you have a collapse like that, which I, I worry about. You know how that spills over into tonight in the rest of the series because, um, again, this is your competition now. Like the Padres, even <laughs> you know it would have been really nice to get a better result out of that series because that's that's you're going to beat for the wild card. You know, like it's again mm-hmm. division is. Not really. That shouldn't be the option or the plan anymore for the Phillies. It just and that sucks that it's already out of the window. But I don't know that you're catching the Mets, so you have to beat these teams around you. It's, it's crucial. Johnny Heller tweeted this last night too. I'm gonna list off the veteran relievers that the Phillies have brought in dating back to 2020. <laughs> David Hale, Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry, David Phelps, Archie Bradley, Neftali Feliz. Ian Kennedy, Jerry's Familia, Corey Kniebel, Brad Hand. It's disgusting. If this was, you know, 2016, that's the best bullpen in baseball. That's the thing is we're, we're like... We're so far behind on getting these we're guys. We're like, we're constantly chasing shadows with bullpen stuff. <laughs> and it's because we can't draft our own. No. So we're so... Or develop. Yeah. So we're f- so focused on like, well, we got to buy it. And it's so... Like... Building a bullpen off of the market is like I th- I think maybe one of the hardest things to do in mm-hmm. sports. Like it's just so hard to do. And even when the Phillies objectively do like Robertson, right? Everyone agreed that was great co- signing, great signing, great choice, great deal. Hurt for the entire two years he's here. Even when you do the right thing, like, same thing with Charlie Morton when we signed him. Right, it was like oh this is like a sneaky signing for the Phillies. It's good. Pitched three games and then tore his ACL. It's unreal. And then he goes to Houston, goes to Tampa Bay, goes to Atlanta, and is per- perennially in the World Series. Like, it, you just can't make it up with, with the ridiculous, like, unluckiness that they have with some of these guys. Um, But, yeah, you, you got to win tonight against Atlanta with Ranger Suarez on the mound. We'll see how he 
bounces back. Um, and then you, you got to win the, the series finale game to really set yourself up for like this next leg of the season. Like we've, we've said this time and time again, Memorial day is like the first benchmark of the major league baseball. Season. It is you what, it is what are. Christmas is to the NBA season. Right. You know, like everything after this is really when you start to see teams like peel away or not. And, um, this is this is where it gets a lot more real. I'll say this: it's not going to be our. I don't. Well, I shouldn't speak too soon because we have what like four or five games between now and Memorial <laughs> Day. It's not going to be the worst I think I felt about the Phillies. Yeah, like I still about. feel like decent. Yeah, which I remember is a good. Brewers series a few years ago around Memorial Day, and that's where it soured. Mm-hmm. I rem- I remember that being a, a moment where I was like, this team. Well, you know who could sour that. it this year for us, Matt, uh, is uh, Gabe Kapler and the Giants, because that's our Memorial Day series. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, like, we should bring Gabe Kapler back. And listen, I'm willing to admit, maybe we got rid of him too soon. However, I think people have been mighty forgetful that this there were problems when Gabe was here, too. Yes. And that Gabe was a young manager, and young managers, it doesn't always work in their first stint. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a good growth for him. Not everybody's Doug Peterson. Right. And let's, let's let's also not forget, Gabe Kapler's not had, like, he's had a very successful regular season last year. This dude did not win a World Series. Right. He's not, like, I don't know. Like, They're another team that you're going to be fighting for the wild card for right. this year. Right, like, let's just, bef- before we build the statue of Gabe Kapler in memoriam, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Because right. he's not Jesus Christ yet. <laughs> like, I know he likes to think of himself that he is, but we're not there yet. He's like the burning bush. Right, right. Like, let's just chill out on the Gabe Kapler revisionism. Because September was always burnout season for Gabe. And I can't stress this enough. There were people playing Fortnite in the locker room while he was here. That's insane. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, I do have to say, though, it feels good to be right about it, dude. And I know we've said this a lot recently, but holy fuck, is it good... To, to be right about Alec Boehm. What a guy. <laughs> the dude is just playing lights out offensively, defensively. He's playing confidently. And I, I just love watching him play. I said this on Sunday's show where if Alec Boehm's up to, up to bat in 2020, I'm like feeling kind of nervous. Not sure what the result's going to be. You're almost nervous for him because yes. like, come on, man. I would like you wanted him Pull to through. succeed. You wanted now, him to succeed. I feel like he's just going to get on base, driving a run. He's going to do something productive. Yeah, and it's it's no doubt about. It. I would ra- I I would rather have Alec Bohm up in a game winning situation with runners on base than J T. Romuto. Oh, <laughs> ten times out of ten, I would take the the wins above replacement player. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you rather have up with runners in scoring position to win the game for you? J T. Romuto. Or Roman Quinn. I think that's still JT. Um, I'd rather have Quinn on base because we yes. saw him the other day get from second to home very quick. That's the first time that Roman Quinn's speed, I think, has ever like been the difference in a game for us that I can remember. I'm sure it has and at some other point. And it's even crazier that he can still run that fast it's insane. after he tore his Achilles like, this time last year. God bless him. <laughs> it's wild. Hey, Marlins. Should have hung on to that's how you beat the Dodgers. There you go. There's our secret weapon. Did you um, see also the radar gun from the ball that he threw in in that series from center field? He almost hit 100 miles an hour from Jesus. center field. 
Well, he's got to work on those communication skills because last night little not bit. a <laughs> not ideal. But for Boom, um, I think I think we all know what the turning point was. It's him getting booed, and him saying that he fucking hates his place. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, it's been it's been all roses. So he got the elephant off his. Shoulders. I never want to hear that booing isn't good or effective or nice because it works. I tell you. If we look up those splits, I bet you, before the boo, not great. After the boo, very nice. Very so, nice. Alec Boom. That's, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's terrible. That's, we're not, that's not sticking. But yeah, I think he's been – this is, like, more the version of Alec Boom that we were hoping for. The defensive, like, improvement, we should say, because let's be honest. It was hard to get worse than he did defensively yes. last year. Um, I think it was like minus eleven, like uh, run efficiency, like something oh. like that. It was just in. I mean, it was just like Reese Hoskins was like minus four. Who's like another the, guy who has been playing, but like pretty solid. Reese Hoskins defense. is like the stigmata yeah. of bad infield defense for like so many people. Like he's the worst. It's like Alec Bum is literally three times worse. Like, <laughs> and they've both been fantastic defensively. <laughs> it's just stupid. It's insane. Like I was at the game last Wednesday, and. Reese made two pick plays that, like, 2018 Reese is not making that. Right. Like, ever. Like, he's not, it's not even in his wildest dreams. His brain wasn't working that fast right. yet. Like, he wasn't functioning at first base like that. He's been fantastic defensively. Bohm's been fantastic defensively. And I think that has been a major part in why the Phillies have been in so many games, too. Because you think back last year, 2020, even 2019, before Bohm got up, the infield defense has been atrocious. And then you add guys like Johan Camargo into the mix, who has been fantastic. Uh, Bryson Stott's been great defensively, and obviously Gene Segura is a wizard with the glove. The infield defense has been so much improved upon that that has helped tremendously. Also, Matt, I, I want to ask you this, because I, I looked this up. This Phillies team, in your opinion, with the talent that is you know in the lineup offensive-wise, you'd assume they should be able to consistently score, like, five runs a game. Right. Can you tell me what the Phillies' record is when they score five or more runs in a game? Uh-oh. Um, I'm trying to think of all the times that we've scored five or more, and I think it's been overall pretty nice. And for the people at home, the Phillies' record this season right now, they're 20-23. and 23. I'm trying to think of how many times we've gotten over five. I'm going to guess we're, like, uh, we're, like, 11 and 8. Close. We're 13 and 5. Very nice. And this includes last night's debacle. 13 and 5 when they score five or more runs. So there are only seven other games that they've won when they've scored less than five runs. That is how you win games, I've heard, is score more than the other team. That's and important. Scoring more team, is good. With a team like this that has, you know, Harper, Hoskins, Bohm, Real Muto, Castiano, Schwarber, Segura, who's been hitting the cover off the ball, like... That's eight guys I just rattled off. You should be able to manufacture and score five runs a game with your eyes closed. Like, right. I get there's moments where, you you know, pitchers are, are you know, hitting their spots and, and you can't really figure them out. But this team should consistently be putting up five runs a game. No doubt about it. And the results show. You're 13-5. and five. You've lost 18 games without scoring five runs. It, it shouldn't be that difficult 
for this team to put up those types of numbers offensively. That's why you brought in Castellanos. That's why you brought in Schwarber. That's why you brought in Bryce Harper when you did. Just score runs. Like, yeah. you know, the pitching doesn't have to be all world all the time if you're putting up the amount of runs that you're putting up. And there's been barely any of those games, like any of those five games that they lost where, you know, they were absolutely decimated. I think the biggest difference was the Mets game that they lost nine to six, that they just gave up more runs than they could score. Or the <laughs> that Mets collapse, the 7-1. Oh, uh, yeah, the 8-7. <laughs> the turnaround. That was a tough so, one. So, I mean, if, if they score five runs, you should feel confident that they're going to win a game. Yeah. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer. Upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. We went like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Stop Ben's time. What's up? We're back. I mean, that's and that's what you hope for a lot. And listen, there's like again, I, I think the offense has been better. Um, we've seen Schwarber hitting it better, and I think again, this is a team that you know, offense generally improves as you go into the summer. Mm-hmm. But offense around the league has also not been yeah. amazing either. It should be said, it's not like you know. There's a lot of guys slumping this year that weren't quite expected to be this way. There are a lot of teams struggling with guys that they were hoping would be better that there just haven't been. So it's not just the Phillies having these issues either, which is a comfort, I guess. 100%. Uh, we're going to play our favorite game, check in on the NLE's run differential. It's brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, including the NL East run differential game that you can play along with every single month. And then for the full season, go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, earn points on your fan profiles, and you cash them in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. That's playpickup.com. The the biggest takeaway I have here, Matt, with the NL East run differential, which looks like this, the Mets at 29 and 17, up seven and a half games over the Braves and the Phillies, respectively, at plus 45. The Braves are 20 and 23 this season. They have a minus 14 run differential. The Phillies are 20 and 23 this season, but they have a plus 14 run differential. Miami at 18 and 23 have a plus 13 run differential. And then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, in the basement at a minus 63. The, the thing that stands out to me, obviously, with the Phillies and Braves being tied, is that 
something's going right for the Phillies in an offensive perspective. It's just a matter of it full-blown clicking for them. With the Braves being 20 and 23 and minus 14, I think that's more telling of what the Braves have been this season. They've kind of overachieved a little bit, and they're still not producing runs to win games. Where the Phillies are producing runs, they're just not finishing games, I would say. Phillies have not been great in close games either. Yes. Um, like I, I would, I would be curious to see like what the want like games settled by like two or less runs. The Phillies, I, I don't think have been amazing at that this season either. Uh, they've lost some like tight ones, so, um, and some of that could come down to management. I, I think that's that's one of those hallmarks. But um, yeah, it, it does give you a good perspective on um, the Mets have been great, um, even dealing with injuries. Right, like Scherzer dealing with injury hasn't affected them yet it could still but um you just think about like where this division is headed and you look at the wild card now and that's where your mind's already wandering which is frustrating um you know there's there's so many teams in there you expect a few of them to drop off but it's such a dumb division yet again um i would love to play the nationals (laughs) (laughs) just get me to the nationals just get me to the national series um because they are one of the worst teams in baseball, which is shocking, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, because what a swift fall from grace they've had. Uh, I can't say I feel bad for them, no. but, uh, you know, it is, I mean, literally a few years ago, this is a World Series team and nothing now, not even close. Yeah. They're talking about um, trading Juan Soto, which is, I, I, I mean, listen, not that I would ever be one, but like if I was a Nationals fan, I don't know how you like live with that. I know no. you've got your World Series and that, that feels amazing, but like, that's what you like put on the bulletin board as okay, I'm fine with Bryce Harper going to the Phillies because we have Juan Soto. Right. Like that's your you know, if that's your consolation prize, like one of the best hitters ever. Yeah, right. cool. <laughs> like, uh, the you the younger that. Bryce Harper. Like is that's here. that's fun. Um and then you you trade him. I and then that'd be unforgivable. Trading Trey Turner last year made no sense right. to anybody. Scherzer gone, Strasburg been injured. Harper gone just like packed on ice now yeah like so many of their franchise cornerstones of like their come up are just gone now because they're a a franchise that got lucky because remember back to that 2019 season when they won the world series like they were 10 games under 500 at memorial day that's just the way this this (laughs) you see i bet you the marlins won the world series this year because it's that's how it's gone every year with, with the nl east it's insane. And you know what's insane too is I always see, um, and God, do I hate it. But like the Phillies in 2008 were whatever, nine and thirteen to start. The 2022 Phillies are also nine thirteen. It's like I hate those stats. But you also yes. forget that like yeah, like World Series winning baseball teams, as we would know too, because the best Phillies teams during that stretch did not win the World Correct. Series. <laughs> Arguably, the worst did. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the ones that were getting like 100 plus wins or high 90s wins were not <laughs> winning the world. So it is kind of stupid in baseball sometimes where you have these great teams. Ask Gabe Kapler, right? How it feels to win uh, 100 plus games and then lose in the first round. Like, doesn't feel great. But um, yeah, sometimes it's just funny to me that you have these like bad starts. It's so indifferent to like so many other leagues where you just uh, have to imagine that you're like the top seed. So making it very far 
at least like the, the equivalent of a conference finals. Unless it's the NHL. Unless it's the NHL in the President's Trophy curse, which still lives on. Still lives on. God bless our Panthers, but... Uh, <sighs> Feel for your Claude. Feel for you. Know that feeling, but... Man, it's, it's stupid. It's wild. And, and you think back to that 08 team, like, they... They weren't complete until the trade deadline. And, you know, back then when the waiver deadline existed, like, you went and got Joe Blanton and Matt Stairs. You don't win the World Series without either of those guys. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this team is still potentially incomplete. And Dave Dombrowski talked to the media earlier this week and said he's not happy with the, the start. So, we'll see what that means for, you know, the moves that he potentially can make when th- the trade deadline gets closer. I think shout out Girardi, though, too. I, oh, yeah. Because I, I, I tell you this. As much as we rag on John Milton, he signed the checks. This mm-hmm. like he's and listen, I don't want to give the man credit, but he has spent a lot of money yeah. on a team that has show, literally nothing to show for it right. because we're going on a decade of no playoff baseball. The only thing is a Bryce Harper MVP and a second place finish for Zach Wheeler in the Cy Young right. last year. Like that's it. Um, <laughs> I just. <laughs> Getting the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Why? <laughs> you know, like. He's he's spent the money and Dombrowski I think has made some good decisions. I hated the I still think that the bullpen over the offseason was not the best way mm-hmm. to handle it, but whatever. Like that's just how the Phillies are dealing with the bullpen, I guess. But um they have to and Girardi wasn't Dombrowski's choice, right? Like that was Uh Girardi was here before Dombrowski. Right. So yeah, because Girardi it's, got hired going into the, the COVID season. It's not like Daryl Morey, right, with Doc Rivers, just like, you hired the guy. You know, like, you right. did this. This is your of your making. Um, Dombrowski's like, this wasn't my choice. Yeah. So, Dombrowski came in. That's what like, I thought. Midway through the offseason last year when they finally, like, let Klintak go into the abyss. Right. So, I just think Dombrowski does not like Girardi or does not no. think he's doing what he could with this roster. Now that the structure is amazing, that you like, the, like we should be, you know, have twenty five wins right now. You know, like it's not mm-hmm. like that, but I think this team could be performing better. Yes, they could be closer in the standings to the Mets. Than this they are. this team could have like twenty two wins already this year. There's already we're already at that point where it's like probably there's like four games you could look back on right now that they blew and they right. should have been wins, including some last night. Some of those wins. That's going to happen to every team. Right. You're going to blow games, whatever. There's 162 of them. <laughs> but, like, um, you shouldn't think, have gotten no hit by the Mets. Right. I think Dombrowski looks at this roster and thinks we We're could be doing we could be doing better with what we have, for sure. Yeah. Um, what could be doing better, too, is the NBA awards voters. <laughs> because, once again, Joel Embiid, uh, all NBA second team. I know it's a a fake roster, but so stupid. The fact that two years in a row now, the runner-up for the MVP award, and the very first time ever in NBA history, makes the second team All NBA instead of first team, is insane. It's 
exhausting because you, you'll like reflect on these years too and it'd be like why did we do it this way <laughs> mm-hmm. why didn't we just make it positionless why did people have to like hold so firm to these like just archaic ways of doing it like there's just i don't know man like basketball isn't the same anymore and three big men were the best players in basketball this year and last year like that's just it i don't know what to tell you like lebron james is not of a set position either you know like it's just it's stupid um yes like they're technically all centers but like why are we pretending like it has to it has to fit this mold that's what's the the frustrating part is that Embiid is not being properly rewarded for where he was he was among the five best players in the league last year and that's what all nba should reflect um so it's very frustrating to not have him not have him win the mvp whatever uh but not, not even to make the, like the the first team all nba it's just it's stupid i i It'll never, never really sit right with me. I'm going to, I'm going to, because I just found that Kyle Newbeck tweeted this out. I'm not going to read who they voted for just because it's super small in a giant spreadsheet, but we'll tweet it out. These are all of the voters for the, uh, the awards. David Aldridge, Sam Amick, Jason Anderson from the Sacramento Bee, uh, Greg Anthony from Turner, Kevin Arnovitz, Steve Ashburner, uh, Antoine Bencharel. I think it's a French newspaper, French outlet. Um, Renjun Bao, Howard Beck, Tim Bontemps, Rod Boone from the Charlotte Observer, Chris Broussard. The fact that Chris Broussard has a vote is insane to me. Uh, Rick Buecher, Doris Burke, uh, Callie Kaplan, Shams, Anthony Chiang. How does Shams get a vote? Makes no sense. He's not even like an analyst. He's not even like a reporter. He's just like a... He's just like a, a He's PR a host machine. and an insider. He's just a PR host. That's it. He just gets press releases from agents and players, and that's it. He doesn't even analyze basketball. He just – how is that not a conflict of interest that Shams gets to vote on this stuff? Especially he is, since he's represented he's, by – Not only that, but like he's – like he very obviously does like quid pro quo stuff with players and agents all the time. How is he allowed to vote on this stuff? That's insane to me. And you know what's funny? Woj does not have a vote. How the fuck does Shams have a vote? What has he done to deserve that? The only thing I can think of that, like, justifies it, air quotes for the people just listening, is his role at Stadium. But that's the only thing I can even, like, But he's never once been, like, a basketball... he hasn't been that way since he was at Yahoo. Or, like... He's not, like, on a podcast breaking down games. He's talking about, like, contract negotiations. Yeah, and, and then it. he like, interviews players for Stadium, which nobody uses. I mean, come on. Uh, that's crazy. That's insane. David Chinolato, um, another foreign outlet. There was one of these foreign outlets that last year that voted Russell Westbrook as MVP. So, we should start looking this, into these people. <laughs> this <laughs> one's these- kind of funny. Uh, Antoni Daimiel, his outlet, Matt, is Movie Star Plus. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But not with the E in movie. Uh, Dan Devine from The Ringer, James Edwards III from The Athletic, Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com, Vince Goodwill from Yahoo Sports, Michael Grange from Rogers Sportsnet, Jared Greenberg from Turner, Mike Greenberg from ESPN. 
how Greeny has a vote is beyond me. Kevin Harlan, uh, Zach Harper from The Athletic, Kurt Helen from NBCSports.com, Chris Herring, Drew Hill, uh, Adam Himmelsbach from the Boston Globe, Lisa Sue from uh, Tencent, Cassidy Hubberth, uh, Kelly Eco Ico from The Athletic, Frank Isola, um, Frank Isola Jesus Christ. and his his outlet is Sirius Radio. Uh, Mark Jackson, Jesus Christ, Ernie Johnson. I mean, he's a host. Yeah. you know, like he's not a. Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago, uh, Mark Kestetcher from ESPN, uh, Chris Kirshner from The Athletic, Eric Corrine from The Athletic, Scott Kushner from the New Orleans Times, uh, Zach Lowe, Brian Mahoney, Rob Mahoney, Chris Mannix, Diego Martinez, Jeff McDonald from the San Antonio Express News, Dave McMiniman, uh, Mark Medina from NBA.com. Yoko Miyagi from Sports Graphic Number, uh, Joe Masato from the Oklahoman, Eric Nem Neem from the Athletic, Kevin O'Connor, uh, Bill O'Ram, David Pash, Kevin Pelton, Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> I'll go to war for Perk though. The way yeah, that he went to war for Embiid, I'll enough. take that. Fair enough. Uh, Michael Pina, uh, everybody's favorite alarm setter, Keith Pompey. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, Steve Popper from Newsday, Sean Powell from NBA.com, Kobe Price from the Orlando Sentinel, Jason Quick from The Athletic, Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Republic, Stephanie Reddy from Turner, Bill Ryder from CBSSports.com, Remy Reverchon from Be In Sport France, Tim Reynolds, Josh Robbins, Melissa Rowland from Fox Sports, Taylor Rooks, Jalen Rose, Ryan Rossillo, uh, John Schumann, Guillermo Schutz from uh, Televis- Televisa, uh, Dennis Scott, Ramona Shelbourne, Bill Simmons, Mike Singer, Anthony Slater, Doug Smith, Stephen A. Smith, Steve Smith from Turner, Sirot Sohi from The Ringer, uh, Harris Stavrow from Sport 24, uh, Daisuke Sagiura, uh, then we have Justin Termine from Sirius, Christos Saltas, uh, Joe Varden, Eric Walden, Gary Washburn, Michael Wilbon, Brian Windhorst, Matt Weiner, uh, Christian Winfield, Michael C. Wright, Om Young Miusk, and Jeff Zilgit. I bet you 95% of that list has not watched more than 40 regular season basketball games combined. This season. Not including the ones that are calling games that somehow have vote. Like Doris Burke. Doris Burke, I get, I at least, get her like, having... She like, is like a reporter still. And like, at least she's, she's there. She kind of does everything. She's like an analyst in a way. Like Windhorse having a vote. Yeah, it's like a lot I of love them people... for the deal zone, but. A lot of these people like talk about. That's what's so weird about it. Like Shams is like shocking to me yes. that he gets a vote. I can't believe that because. That feels like conflict of interest to me. Like, this is a guy who, like, essentially is paid because he speaks on behalf of agents and players and is able to vote on things that we know are directly tied to contract incentives. Like, you're telling me there's nothing there? Right. I mean, come on. That's a little 
Not that he's has like a, I don't know what his voting record is, but I can um, read you who he voted for. Uh, I mean, I mean, like all time, you know, oh, right? Yeah, like yeah. you know, like. But I just think I think that's strange to me that uh, that Shams has a vote. And not that he's the only one on that list that's shocking to me, but that one just really stands out because I, I especially since Woj everyone else doesn't like so many other people on that list are just like reporters, and you got like beat reporters from places and whatever. Like, got your national people, and there's nothing wrong with that, but. Um, a guy that like, again, exclusively talks about just like rumors and free agency. Like, yep. So his forward votes were for Giannis and Jokic. Uh, he voted for Embiid at center. Well, you know, what? actually, I think Sham should have. Yeah, I think it's actually. You know, what? I think that's <laughs> uh, Devin Booker and then Luca. Kind of actually kind of hard to argue with that. Hard dog. You know, Shams, actually, you know, you're right. <laughs> now, I got to ask you too, Matt. Which team do you think wins? I've, I've seen this on Twitter. Which team do you think wins the seven-game series uh, between the NBA first team and second team? The first team being Devin Booker, Luka, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Jokic. And then the second team being Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and John Morant. <sighs> I kind of lean second team. I think second team. Second team in the playoffs. I mean, you're reuniting Steph and Durant, who we know performed very well in the playoffs. I think Embiid eats Jokic's lunch. Giannis is a tough matchup for that team. I'll say that, though. I mean, Embiid is good, but like Embiid's going to be busy, right. theoretically. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see how like, Ja does off-ball. He can do it. Mm-hmm. I think... Tomorrow, not great defense on no. uh, the, on the first. You got Giannis, who's amazing, but outside of that, I mean, Tatum's been pretty locked in the playoffs. I'll say that he's taking a big leap. But Tatum also standing up for Joel Embiid today. Respect, love that. But everybody's favorite nineteen. Yeah, I'd, prob- I'd probably go second team there, honestly. But yeah. that's that's a tough call. Tough. Um, Speaks to the quality of the NBA, I would say. Absolutely, such good. It's frustrating that Embiid's on the second team, but. <laughs> We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. What are you gonna do at this point? You know, like it's it's been done and settled. I just hope they change it because it's yeah. unfair. Because it's it's unfair for the next person that this happens to. Right. It's not just about Embiid. Some other guy is gonna get unfairly, you know, put in a different team just based off like positional nonsense. Mm-hmm. Because and it's not even like they allowed it so you did have the loophole where you could put Jokic at forward and people were like, well, I'm not gonna do that because that's actually not fair. Yeah. Shut up. It's insane. Um, before we get to Survivor, I called out the union, Matt, on our last episode. Uh, I asked them on a date. I said, because everybody knows, the only major Philadelphia sporting event I have yet to attend in person is a Philadelphia Union game. Right. So I asked them, 
August 6th, they're playing Cincinnati. Felt like a good time. 7.30 p.m. first, uh, you know, is when, when they kick off. Just waiting for the response. Just waiting for the response from the union. It's a great uh, day out. Waiting for that, and, uh, you know, they're playing really well, too. Top of, top of the conference, which is great. Um, season's rolling on. Went to Portland, had a big win. Not an easy place to go. Very good team. So, you uh, you know what's crazy too is the union of just like continuing like they've they've lost pieces right like pretty much every mm-hmm. every off season now they've been losing what you would imagine are like if not key players very good players at least regular starters and they've just moved forward still Keep chugging along. Uh, Brendan Aronson not a union player anymore but supposed to be transferring from uh, Salzburg to Leeds and the union have a sell on clause looks like they're gonna get about like five million off of that gonna have made just off of him you know in in sales around like 14 million which is insane for For like an mls team like that's that's huge i mean that's a guy too that was you know homegrown so um big testament the to the academy there and that's like that's a success story that you'll have forever too for the union he's like the second biggest u.s guy over the like the last what you know five seven years him and Pulisic pulisic are the uh the would be the two highest now it's amazing because Brendan Aronson is not even like the name, right? Mm-hmm. With the USN, like the Pulisic was and right. still is at the time mm-hmm. of his transfer. Um, Brendan Aronson is like just started to kind of break through the U.S. national team, um, and the fact that he's going for a price like that and has be- has really been recognized a lot for like his great like physical attributes. Like this is a guy that just nonstop running. I was talking to you the other night. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the the highest runners like distance covered in all of Europe not even just you know like oh he, he just he covers so much ground he's been so good such good energy like um it's even rumored now that uh Jesse Marsh who's an American coach at Leeds wants to also bring Serginio Dest another American to Leeds so like just trying to get the U.S. national team all there but um it's I mean it's it's big tangential news though for the union because that's more money in the bag and that's that's just another testament to how good that academy can be and this is a team that puts a lot of stock in that. So that's good to see. That's like really, really good progress uh, for the union. And um, they're going in a good direction. I'm excited about this season. I think this could, it sucks they're already out of the cup, but um, Supporter Shield is there for you. And you know what? Like you were in the conference finals last year. You can make that push. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. They're just consistently good and don't get enough credit for being consistently right. good. So. And they do it the way that people want it to be yeah. done. They don't like. They really don't spend crazy money. Like if you look at like even like salary stuff, they're like middle of the pack. Like they're just they just find the good margins. They have a, a good style of play, a good coach, and they figure it out. Best swag coach too. He, I tell you, Jim Curtin knows how to dress, and it's tough competition in the MLS too. I'll say mm-hmm. MLS has some really, really like well done coaches, uh, but Jim Curtin he stands at the top of that. He's a titan. The uh, the Phillies could learn a thing or two from. They could learn the the, a lot of things the union from the union, actually, like player margins. development, like how to get young guys to, to bed through, how to get a coach that fits the style oh. that you want. Um, you know, creating an identity, winning. I would love to have Jim Curtin on this show. He'd, I'm sure he'd be a great chat. He'd too. be a great chat. Uh, Matt, it is Survivor season 42 finale night. We are uh already locked and loaded, ready for it. Last week, fan favorite Omer 
gets bamboozled, gets blindsided, goes home. We found out that he had <laughs> right. quite the uh, the advantage in his pocket that was not shown on the uh, the broadcast last week. But we're down to uh, this this final run. It'll be a, a long finale, and uh, our preseason guy two years in a row makes it to the final episode. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Omar Omar apparently had an idol nullifier that he got. Which a while did they ago. have that last year? I can't. I don't remember. Remember it to be honest. Um, I mm, no, not not off the top of my head. He apparently found an idol nullifier a while ago too. It wasn't necessarily like a recent find because uh, he had mentioned after a Taku um, reward challenge finding it. So you that's pre merge, right? And he found it with Jonathan, so Jonathan knew. Jonathan ended up telling Mike, who told Marianne as well, and that that kind of swung them against him. Um, which, I mean, it's like big information <laughs> that was left out. I don't know why. I don't know why that didn't make it into the show whatever, but I, I just found that, like, fascinating that he had this night, I don't nullifier and was planning to use it on Mike on, you know, what would be tonight's vote at five. Um, and that would be, like, one of his big moves, really public moves, too. Um, to kind of like cement his resume didn't happen instead he gets blindsided by Marianne who orchestrated a great vote um, didn't get the movement that she wanted from like Jonathan and Mike and they were looking out for themselves by not doing that but um, she uses her extra vote I think it's the first time an extra vote has actually been properly used to vote someone out in the history of Survivor yeah. um, so shout out to her that was a great play and uh, she gets a, a lot of credit for that as she should uh, she's done like a full turn for yeah. me because you know a few weeks ago I was like I don't I'm just hard it's hard for me to see it the last I would say like two episodes mm -hmm. like, I could see Marianne winning I could you know like you could tell me that story kind of flipped at that very emotional tribal council right like that's where I think and listen if she wins she wins and she deserves it yeah. so um I would say the only the only person that's left that I, I don't I just don't see winning is Romeo yeah um he just Hasn't done anything has to it, warrant Hasn't it. made a big move and also, like, isn't tied to anyone either. And I don't know what the people's opinion of him really is. It doesn't, like, I don't know. I just, I would be very surprised if Romeo ends up winning this. But everyone else, Marianne, Mike, uh, Jonathan, Lindsay, any one of those four could win. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think Mike and Marianne are my two most likely winners. Um, simply because they both have idols still, by the mm -hmm. way. Um so they could be in final four and then, you know, two out of the four. Which, isn't it rare that, like, final five, you can still use... I thought it was right. always final six. So, like that... That, I think that changed at a point, but I'm I'm pretty sure their idols work for final five. Um, yeah, which is surprising. <laughs> um, and, you know, we know that Jonathan can win... Could definitely win two immunity challenges and be in final three. And I... Lindsay could too. Lindsay absolutely could. And I think both of them are not easy people to beat in the final three um i don't know that there is like outside of romeo like there's no one in and you're taking someone with you that i think is a good candidate no matter what mm -hmm. in this in this final five that we have so um i feel like it's a lock that romeo's going to final three too just because right. unless he loses like fire or something like yeah. something like that happens but yeah he's I, the lame duck that you kind of bring along and you go toe to toe with the other person that right. you bring which we didn't have last year. At least I didn't think so. I mean, I was stunned. You know, like, I 
I had turned to the idea that Erica could win. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that it was emphatic. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe it's like maybe Marianne sweeps, you know, like, or maybe Lindsay sweeps. Right? Like, um, you know, Lindsay's a, an interesting one too because she was someone that we didn't see a lot of, uh, especially pre-merge. Yeah. I mean, I don't know even know how many confessionals she had you know before the merge One or and two at most as as the merge got rolling she became a much more pivotal person and um has had like a lot of say in the events here so um i i think the thing that that struggles me with like Lindsay and and to an extent mike as well is there's no like hard, like omer had like the big resume right like mm-hmm. he was the one kind of orchestrating a lot of these moves and they were in on that but um i would just wonder like Lindsay has like the challenges at least, and has I think made good relationships with people. Uh, I think she's uh, seems like a, a well liked person. Yeah. Um, so that always is a good advantage for you in a final three. Should you get there, Marianne's the same. I think people love Marianne. I know people have said that she's annoying on the show, but I think that's just you live with someone that has high energy like that twenty four seven, and you're starving. You're gonna you're gonna say in a confessional right. that they're a little and annoying. she's younger, yeah. right? Like, but I, I think genuinely people like her and. I think I feel the same way. Like she's a bit much, but she's overall like a nice person. You know, like and I think no one would be upset about giving her a million dollars. You have to remember that too. Like, it doesn't happen as much anymore with like bitter jurors and stuff like that. There are people sometimes just like, yeah, I'll give it to this person. They seem nice, and mm-hmm. you don't seem nice. You know, like that you have to have to factor it in. But Mike, I think seems well liked. Um, Jonathan's the only one that I'm like. I don't know that people don't like him. But I like I also wouldn't be shocked if say he gets to a final three and we find out afterwards that people like were like kind of out on Jonathan. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. And depending on who else gets voted out, along with you know everything that happened with the emotional tribal right. council, like it wouldn't surprise me if you see Chanel, Roxroy, Drea, if Marianne makes it, voting for Marianne. Definitely, definitely. In no play. matter who makes it. Yeah, and. We'll find out too, uh, right on the right on the island again. They're doing, yeah. it. and they, that apparently that's the way going forward too. Is that they, which I have mixed feelings about, but um, I think it's in a way cool. I hate that they do, like there's not going to be like reunions in the future mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, simply because too, I think like for the two people that lose in Final Tribal, um, I don't know how you can be expected to like reflect on stuff when you yeah. just lost out on a million dollars, like right and you're trying to like like that's. And even for the person that wins, it's like they just want a million dollars. They'll say anything right now. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you really getting out of them? They haven't had like these people haven't showered or eaten. Like, let them right. just <laughs> let them let them breathe a little bit. But um, I wonder if that'll change like after the next two seasons, right. where you know they're still kind of. I, I don't know when season forty three filmed, but I think they are there now. Okay. Filming, I think. Because I know this season filmed in like April. Right. Um. I think I think they're there now filming forty three, I believe. But um I kinda I, I kinda miss like the big gaudy reunions. Mm-hmm. I get why, you know, this is filmed last year and I get why they were forecasted like we don't know if we'll be able to do that. Right. Um so totally fine. But um yeah, Mike or Marianne, I think are my two just simply on the fact that I think they're gonna seems like they're both gonna be in final four and then from there one of them is gonna make it to the final mm-hmm. three, you know, like um and I think either of them makes it and could definitely win. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I said, we were, we were good on Mike. We were good on yeah. Lindsay. Again, if you were a a girl or woman from New Jersey and you go on Survivor, I'm going to root for you. Not just because New Jersey people are the best, but 
great track record. And if you are a firefighter from the Northeast, like Mike is. And it helps that he's from New Jersey. Helps that he's from New Jersey. Hoboken, no joking. There you go. You Again, these, I don't know what it is about that type of person. I guess it's because New Jersey, you have to talk to a lot of people all yeah. the time. Hold the door at the Loudly. Wawa. Hold the door for people. Uh, we're a very diverse state. And we're also like all packed in here, the most densely populated state. <laughs> so you're used to a lot of un- farm fresh veggies, right? Um, yeah, I, uh, I just, I love it. So I'd love it if if our preseason, if if we had two straight seasons of getting our preseason pick to at least the final three, final three. I'd consider that we're pretty a, good right now. You I mean even Mike being in the top five feels it's great? great. Yeah. It's like you know what? We were able to just look at a picture and it was short by, but like. That's our man. Good track record. That's our man. Hey, Rob has a podcast. Have us on. <laughs> uh, we're going to go catch the Survivor finale. We'll be tweeting along at Buffs and Snuffs, so make sure you guys are uh, following us there for all our Survivor content. And, of course, follow us at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. We're the number 82 sports podcast in Armenia. Let's keep cranking that up to our Armenian listeners, and let's get on those charts even more so in the U.S. Let's get in you know the hundreds area uh, and keep cranking those out and help more people find the pod. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows. Uh, And comment down below your thoughts on this season of Survivor, how you're feeling about the Phillies, Sixers, Union, all that good stuff. Uh, Leave it in the comment section or the podcast reviews. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order at checkout. Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Bino Board. Go to BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. And use our code BinoUSP to get 10% off your order from our homies over at Bino. Matt, they have new Bino Dad Hats available now. You can use our code. Get 10% off those bad boys as well. Uh, this has been episode number 432 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.